This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Hey, it's Seamus from Newhoff Media Lafayette, and this is Inside Our Towns, the podcast about the people and places that make our communities great. Season 1, Episode 10, and it's brought to you by Arconic Lafayette. The flies or drives, we are on it. Arconic is the leader in the production of world-class aluminum products that transform the way we fly, drive, and build. Really excited to talk to Sandy today. So, F- Sandy Fogersi. I, I messed it up. Fogersi. We were just talking yeah. before we started on how I was going to mispronounce your name, and I did. <laughs> now, there's no editing in this, so I'll just leave it in there. How about Sandy Fogersi, founder and operations manager at Loving Heart Animal Shelter? How are you doing, Sandy? I am doing great. I'm glad the sun's shining. The dogs love the, the, the sun, so it's been a good day. It's been a good day. Well, uh, Sandy and I talk on a, a monthly basis, so we do a thing called Wet Nose Wednesday, but wanted to really talk about Loving Heart Animal Shelter and, and about you. So give us a little background on you. Where'd you grow up? Um, where, where did you grow up? I'm originally from Delphi. Delphi, okay. I'm, a, I'm an oracle. <laughs> uh, I graduated there in 84. Uh, moved to Lafayette probably around the early 90s, uh, and I've lived in Lafayette now for the the remainder of that until now. Um, but still, my parents' brother live in Delphi, so I'm still a Delphi person, but it's way too slow for me now that I've been in Lafayette. <laughs> the big city. <laughs> yes. Do you still go back to the sandwich shop, though? Oh, I love the sandwich shop. It's everyone loves the sandwich shop. It's incredible. Yes. I know. <laughs> um, all right. So, when did you know? I mean, growing up, you grew up in Delphi. You moved to Lafayette. When did you know I'm going to dedicate my life? And you spend a ton of hours doing this, but helping animals. Mm-hmm. When did you know for sure that that's the, your, what your passion was going to be? Well, I've always been an animal person. Did I know I was going to be an animal rescue? No. But I always, you know, the stray wild animal, rabbit, whatever you found, I was always trying to save them uh, as a kid. And then I've had dogs my whole life from when I was a kid until I got my first dog when I moved out from home. And I've just always had dogs in my life. Uh, And as far as rescue, I didn't really decide I was going to do rescue until... I lost my golden of 15 and a half, and I said, I'm not going to get another dog. I'm going to go volunteer at the city shelter. So that's what I did. Because you figured that donating your time, you'd be around dogs enough, and you didn't have to go through the loss of a dog again. Is that why? Yes. Yes. And do you have... you know, that's just not feasible, because (laughs) my life would be empty without dogs. Um, so yeah, I went and volunteered at the city shelter on and off for a while. Um, I did a lot of the counseling with people trying to get them to adopt the dogs. So I was always in the back dealing with the public, trying to get the dogs out of the building. And also I did a lot of rescue, reaching out to rescues to pull the dogs from there. So I met a lot of networking people doing that. And that's how I got to do Loving Heart. Okay, so let's talk about that. You're the founder of Loving Heart Animal Shelter. So when when did you guys get founded, and how did that process work? It was November of 2009 when we got our 501c3 letter. Uh, what I did is I reached out to one of the ladies that I 
that did Beagle Buddy Rescue. They don't even, I don't even think they exist anymore. And said, will you help me do the paperwork? I want to start my own rescue. So she helped me do the paperwork, filed it. And then on November 9th of 2009, we were established. And where was the original location? Because you guys are in a new location now, but you guys had another location you were in to start with, right? No, we were foster base at first. Foster base at first. Okay, that's right. We've been here at our location, current location for, I believe, five, maybe this is the sixth year now. I, I'm not really sure. I lose track of time. But, yeah, we've been at the location now for five or six years. But before that, we did it all foster base. All foster base. So, what was the biggest difference between going from foster base and you're trying to find people all the time? I'm assuming you had a whole mm-hmm. everyone. Every time that you called someone, they knew exactly what you were calling for, right? Yes. <laughs> and plus, you know, it, I love fosters, and I love that the dogs were in homes. But fosters are, you know, they got to go on vacations. They want things come up, and then all of a sudden. It's a panic mode because they call you and say, I need the dog gone because I got to do this or this happens or whatever. So you always were rushing to find someone else to take the dog. We're now with a building. You don't have that. They have a place always with a roof over their head. They get taken very good care of there. Uh, so I like having a building. It's just financially, it's more of a struggle than it was with just a foster base. Sure. You got a whole building and it's a great facility um, right behind Meyer and uh, Lafayette. Um, mm-hmm. This is Inside Our Towns, the podcast about the people and places make our communities great. We're talking with Sandy from Loving Heart Animal Shelter, brought to you by Arconic. If it flies or drives, we are on it. Let's talk about Loving Heart Animal Shelter and what your guys' mission is. And um, uh, just tell us a little bit about, you know, the location you guys have and what exactly what you do, in case people don't know. We're at 512 Veterans Memorial Parkway East, which is, like you said, behind Myers out here. Uh, there's an RV place. I won't mention their name. That's behind us. Uh, that's where we're at, just before the bypass over 65. We have a very tiny building. We only have a little over 1,000 square feet, but we can house 10 to 15 dogs and probably 8 to 10 cats. We only do cats and dogs. So that's our building. We're Right now we're appointment only, but we used to have actual open hours where people could come before COVID hits and just view the animals. We do home visits before we adopt out dogs. Cats can just go home. Uh, on site. Uh, we take in, our mission is to take in strays, owner surrenders. We pull from kill shelters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we take in dogs with behavioral problems. We take dogs in with medical problems. Uh, we pull from like Indy is probably the farthest we ever pull from. We like to do more for the community here than taken from other places because there's such a need right here in Lafayette and Tippecanoe County. Why do you think that is? Why is there such a big need, do you think? Uh, I think it is, one, not enough spay and neutering. Um, so the, the pet population just keeps growing. Um, and then I guess pets are a responsibility and some people just get tired of that responsibility, and that's the reason that, 
you know, just out of the blue, they'll email or call us and want to get rid of their dog or cat. Um, it's a shock to me because I could never do that. But I understand life changes to, you know, people go through things. So that's how sometimes dogs end up being homeless. Um, it's just more education needs to be done, more spay and neutering needs to be done. I would be totally content of being put out of business and not have to do this because all the dogs and cats had homes and we had responsible pet owners. That's just never going to happen. And I've had, uh, I've had a lot of dogs in my life. They've all come from shelters. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I think that my, now my thought process, and maybe this is selfish, but my thought process was someone already went through this dog being a puppy, right? And I've usually mm-hmm. get mine around eight months to, well, I think I got one that was 10 years old, but uh, she was awesome. But, mm-hmm. you know, once they get past that eight-month age, it's a lot different dog than the first eight months, don't you think? Yes. It's a lot that, easier to take care of. Yeah. Uh, puppies are a lot of work. Uh, yeah. But that's when they you, I guess what I want to say is, make their personality if you're going to have a good dog or a bad dog, it's that three to six months is when you need to be doing the training, the socializing. Dogs are social creatures just like we are. I mean, if if you were locked in a room and never got to see anybody for years, you wouldn't be social either with people, and that's the same thing with dogs. They need to see people, and that's when you need to have that happen. And the problem is when they come to shelters, usually that hasn't happened because they're not the responsible pet owner in the first place. Um, so it takes a little more when they come to the shelter to get them to open up. But, yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't know. I wish I had the answer. Um, but I just keep chugging away. And, you know, well, it's, unfortunately, there's always a need. And well, and one of the things that you take very seriously is matching up the dog with the family. So you don't just mm-hmm. come in and say, yeah, I mean, you got any brown ones? Okay, great. Yeah, throw them in the truck. Let's go. You know, you spend a lot of time making sure that it's a good fit, not only for the dog, but also for the family. So take us through that process a little bit. What are you looking for, and how do you decide whether or not it's a good fit? My number one concern is the pet first. I'm not worried about, is not my first concern of making those people happy. Because I do make people unhappy because I tell them no. But it all depends on the pets, what their needs are. That's what you have to tell me, convince me that you can provide for it. Whether it's a special needs dog, like they need a fence, they can't have kids in the house. Uh, there's several things that could weigh in on it. Plus, it's just over time you become where you can read a person. I have a gut feeling, <laughs> and most of the time, nine times out of ten, it's correct. Uh, whether it's going to be a good home for the dog, and we do home visits too. So I go to the house. I keep in contact. I still get updates from dogs and cats. Not as many cats, but mostly dogs from people that have adopted from us years ago. Oh wow. That those out of the blue, they'll message to our Facebook page or they'll, if they have my personal cell phone number, I'll get a, a text from them and saying, hey, so-and-so just wanted to say hi and let you know how much they mean to them and what they've brought to their family. 
And that's why I do it, because I've done my job right, and the dog goes, it stays. We don't get a lot of returns because they go where they were meant to go. The the hardest part for me, if I were in your position, would be that dog that comes in that you just love because you get attached to these dogs very quickly mm-hmm. to all of them, right? even the, yes. the troubled ones. You probably like, okay, we're going to help this one. We're going to get this one acclimated. But to see that dog that doesn't get adopted that's there for way too long, does it drive you crazy that you can't just place a family with that puppy? Yeah, I mean, because we have some there. We have three or four there that it's going to take the right person coming in to adopt them. And they've been with us a while. And they're happy dogs. It's not like a normal shelter that they're in their kennels 24-7. Like I told you, we get them out a lot. They get out four or five times a day, play. We have people that come and walk in on a regular basis. They get treated pretty well there. And it's almost like being in a home, mm-hmm. but they're in the shelter. Um, yes, I get attached, and I want to bring some of them even home with me and have brought some of them home with me over the years. How, but, many, how many dogs do you have at, the ha- at your house now? I have three. Three dogs. They're all older. Okay. My youngest is five, and my oldest is going to be 15 in December. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so uh, I have an ancient An ancient? Okay. (laughs) She's blind and deaf, and she's a little what they call lethal white Aussie that I was a foster um, failure when I was at the city shelter, Uh, and she's still with me. This is Insider Towns, the podcast about the people and places that make our communities great. Brought to you by Arconic Lafayette. If it flies or drives, we are on it. We're talking with Sandy, founder and operations manager at Loving Heart Animal Shelter. Um, let's talk about COVID. You guys had to adjust quite a bit. Um, you can't do just have people stop, stopping by, which would be great. You know, just come on in and uh, let's look at these dogs and stuff. So you, you've had to adjust quite a bit. But how, how has COVID changed not just the way you guys do things, but what's been the hardest part about the COVID? The hardest part is we haven't been able to do the fundraisers that we do every year. Like we do a ladies night out bingo where 300 plus women show up to play bingo. That's gotten canceled now two years. And that's our big money that comes in to help support because we don't get funds from any local government or humane society or any of that stuff. We get, what money we get is from adoption fees and the money that we raise through donations or fundraising. And with COVID, we couldn't do any of that stuff. All the festivals that we usually go to got canceled. So COVID, the, the hardest struggle was financially trying to keep enough money to come in to still operate and bring dogs in and find them homes and get them vetted because we don't get vetting for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, we have to rent the building utilities so it's people don't understand how expensive it is to run a rescue um people would be surprised how much money goes through there and it all is it's not a ton of salaries we're not paying like ceos or nothing like that it's the money's to vet the dogs and cats feed them keep a roof over their head you know a warm building or a cool building depending on the climate so the COVID, other than home visits were a struggle because I really didn't want to go into people's houses. Yep. So we did a lot of, I 
took in a couple litters of puppies right when COVID hit. And we did like outdoor meetings at their houses. Um, I didn't go in the house necessarily. We just stayed out like in their fenced backyard and did the whole adoption process. And I just had them send me a video or pictures of stuff inside. And that's how we got all the puppies adopted. So that changed a little bit, just trying to not expose me to COVID or expose them to COVID because uh, just nobody wants that. But still, a lot of people wanted puppies because they were at home because of COVID. Sure. I heard that a lot of people got a lot of dogs and cats during COVID. Yes. And we really haven't seen a big influx. None of ours, like all those puppies, are all still in their homes. I know some shelters have had problems with now they're back to work. They have behavioral problems with other dogs because they're used to being right there with their owner 24-7. And then they go back to work for eight hours a day and the dogs act out. But we haven't, we haven't really seen that, which means I did my job right and I put them in the right houses. <laughs> do you think, 2022, do you think you're going to be able to pull off some of these in-person events and uh, get the funding back? We actually did the Covered Bridge Festival here in October. So okay. we got at least one of our big events this year where we, we make a good amount of money. Um, I'm hopeful. Uh 2022, there's a lot going on in the community that's going to be coming out here pretty soon with the whole sheltering and the county county sheltering. Uh, So we may have to step up a little bit, which means we're going to have to have a lot more funds in the near future. So 2022 is a lot of unknown right now, but I'm I'm hopeful, I guess. Good. So if someone doesn't need a pet, but they... They like what you do, and they understand the the what it takes. What can they do as far as, like, if they want to donate money or if they want to help out? What can people do to help out your guys' organization? Um, we take, of course, monetary donations. We have a monthly where you can be a monthly donor. You can, even if it's $20 a month, you can set it up to automatically just comes out of your account and goes into ours. A $20 monthly or whatever amount, or you can make a one-time donation every year. Um, everything is on our website at lovingheartanimalshelter.org. You just click on the Donate tab. It'll show you the options. You can be. We even do corporations where they could be sponsors of us. Okay. Um, and then we have a wish list. So anything that we use daily and have to buy monthly to clean supplies, the food we feed the dog, dog treats, cat treats, cat litter, all that stuff. We have an Amazon wish list where people can click on buy it and it automatically ships it to us, which is a nice option. So the people don't have to do anything but click and buy and it comes to our door. So that's how we get a lot of our supplies, clean supplies, cat litter, that stuff. Or you could just drop it off at the shelter. It's nice to let me know it's coming (laughs) because we're not always there. We're in and out all day since we're only appointment only. 
I tell people sometimes they can leave it at the front door because someone's going to be there shortly, and then we can get it inside as long as weather is permitting. Um, but that's that's the main thing is monetary. I wish we could get more monthly donors. So if anybody wants to be a monthly donor, it'd be nice to go sign up on our website. Um, and then yeah, cat litter, dog food. But we only feed a certain kind of dog food. We can't change the dog food every week. Right. Yeah, that can create issues. If you've ever changed your dog food, you know exactly what she's talking about. It ain't pretty. Yeah. <laughs> so we can't do the, you know, 10 different types of dog food. Yeah. So I would rather them either buy what we have on our wish list because that's what we feed or just give us the, the money to buy it because the company that we buy it from actually gives us a discount. Oh. They have a shelter program, so I would rather buy it. I can buy it cheaper than what they can buy it at the store. And how is it when you you got a dog, like hopefully this week you've had one adopted and you know that it's going to a great family. Is that what drives you every morning? Yes, because if anybody has had their roller coaster, especially everybody in the last year and a half, everybody's had their roller coasters of ups and downs. That's what it is in the rescue world. They just come a lot faster than they do in normal life. So, yeah, I can be happy today because I put a dog in a house and I walk, drive away from that house feeling really good that that was the right thing. And then I hear from them a couple days later and they tell me how awesome the animal is. But also when I look at my phone, I've got 10 emails in the last hour from people hating to do this, but I need to surrender my dog or my cat. So those highs don't last very long because you're, you're bombarded with the lows within the next hour. Well, we appreciate what you do. Sandy, the founder and operations manager, Loving Heart Animal Shelter. If you want to help them out, lovingheartanimalshelter.org. And thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast today. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.